the first hack has to do with, again, the key to actual successful transformation is that it is a leader responsibility. The leader can't delegate it and the leader can't find something else more important to do. Right. It's the number one job to do. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we're joined by Carrie, a seasoned executive consultant from Potential to Reality Consulting. We explore the power of embracing change and driving business transformation. Kerry shares his journey from childhood experiences to his career in technology and consulting, all while navigating the ever-changing landscape of innovation. Discover valuable insights on adapting to change and leading teams towards a brighter future. Tune in now. Kerry, thank you so much for taking the time and coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I love it, man. What's really cool is I love what you do with potential to reality consulting because everybody thinks that they can launch and start a business, which is in its right, true, but you can only take it so far. It's almost like you started a car from the car lot, but you don't have the gas full. So you can only go as far as the gases, the fuel is in the tank, and then you don't know the rest of things. And that's where you come in and your consulting firm comes in. Yeah, I like to think of it. And I guess when we talk about transformation and change, you want to jump to another performance curve. And so it's like you run out of that first tank of gas, but then yeah. you need to, you haven't got to where you want to go. So you need to get refilled, be able to check your maps and make sure you're back on the journey again and ready to get to that next level of the, the path to where you're trying to go. Man, I love that. Thank you so much for taking my analogy even further. I love analogies and I love that you like to play that game too. I do. So, <laughs> so let's take a walk down memory lane. Share with us what got you started into this path and in this space that you're in currently. What inspired you to be here today? And what were the different pivotal moments that made this more of a reality to something that you are so passionate about? It's interesting. I think that I would explain it and that I never figured out exactly what I really wanted to do when I grew up. And I've always been intrigued with science and technology. And then I have always been intrigued with being able to work with people and being able to work with teams and to lead. And I guess starting out, I'm at that age where in the United States, through the civil rights movement, I'm a child of integration, so to speak. And I was one of the first African-American students to go to uh, my elementary school in Kentucky, Andrew Jackson Elementary. And, and so that kind of set me on a path to being noticed right away. And there was a, some educational leaders that uh, really were focused on trying to make sure that there were some kids that were African-American kids that had potential to be able to be shown as a success. And so I had lots of leaders that kind of put me on a path to change there. And the next thing was that I went to elementary school and junior high and, and high school and became the first African-American student body leader of the high school, the integrated high school. 
And that set the stage for going to college. But in that time, I still hadn't figured out what I wanted to do. So I played in the band and I played football. And and so I went to school in engineering and I thought I wanted to be an electrical engineer. At sure. And I thought I also wanted to be a football player. So I was on an academic scholarship, but there's a big difference between first aid honorable mention as a 220 pound lineman that's not very mm-hmm. fast to go to the SEC And when you see that the running backs are like 250 pounds and a lot faster. And so that ended Uh my football career. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided I needed to do something else. Nice. It's really interesting that the integration program that you mentioned enabled and gave the tools that were not previously available for your community, which is insane to think about. But the fact of the matter is, we're living in a world where change is coming very slowly and people want to hold on to that past. I'm like, no, I don't want to let go. But the, the fact of the matter is change is constant and change is something that we should absolutely embrace and continue to pass that down to our children and, and set up, I guess, legislation or what have you could to give those capabilities. Because what's amazing is the smartest people in the world are currently children. <laughs> they have no boundaries of thought. They have no boundaries of emotion. They are boundless, right? It is the system that we then put them through that make them either smarter or dumber. It's crazy. It's really amazing to hear that you went through the system and it actually helps you excel in much what's the word, exponentially over your lifetime. I would say that was probably, if there was a constant, that was a constant, and that is change. That change from one generation to the next generation, the opportunities and blessings that that my brothers and sisters and I had versus what our parents have. And then others being able to say the past is useful and helpful for, for education and for setting a framework, yeah. but you're not bounded by the past. And so we actually demand that you take advantage of the future and not be bound by past thinkings, past prejudices, past capabilities. Always strive and move forward. Absolutely. Moving forward is the one thing that we are doing, if either we like it or not. In the past three years, we've moved at an exponential rate where the podcast space has blown up, where we were sub-million podcast now sitting at about 5 million podcasts in the world, which is mind blowing because conversations and the technology that's enabled us to do this is so much easily, easy, easily had. Yeah. 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 And I think that gives the opportunity for others to spread shared knowledge, shared experiences. And the other thing is that I learned, and, and this is from being a middle brother, is that you don't have to go through the same thing that the other people on the other ends have gone through. If you're seeing people go through something before and it looked painful then that to them, don't do that. Do something different. (laughs) Absolutely. You've got to do something different. And that's something that people want to do, especially if you have siblings, you never want to copy your siblings because I don't copy you. I'm my own person. I have four kids and they, they do not want to copy each other. They actually stop each other from copying. But the fact of the matter is human beings are designed to copy each other because we are copies of each other, but we bring our own individuality 
And you were able to do that through schooling and through the different experiences you've had. Yeah. And, and I adopt the definition of innovation is shamelessly copying and improving on what came before. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's an advantage to doing that. And that is one piece of understanding the past and understanding the foundations that's very okay. useful. And that is to be able to build on what was successful and avoid what was painful or less uh, successful. Absolutely. So as you go, went through school, middle, you know, elementary school, middle school, college, and now in your business, what inspired you to say, hey, I'm going to be an executive consultant with expertise in enterprise transformation. That is a mouthful, but it's not a simple thing like I'm a football player or I'm an engineer. Like how, what was the culmination to this? The, like I said, I never figured out exactly what I wanted to be. And as I progressed, I had an opportunity to join IBM as a field service technician and had the opportunity to progress through the ranks and become the head of service quality, customer satisfaction management, and being able to manage the skills vitality of the fields, the skill, field skills, the field force skills management. And that came about because I learned about quality management because I was in a job as my staff job before I went to headquarters, actually before I went to area staff on the state level. And it was a job where I had to rewrite letters to be able to convince the field executives that they needed to follow a contract commitment that was made by another service branch. Oh wow! And that was a very manual process. And it, there were so many of those letters. It was like that, those cartoons where you see the stacks of letters. Oh. That are and I could never get that job done, even if I worked late and came in wow. early and worked through weekends. Yeah. And so I decided that if I'm, am going to get out of this job and survive, I had to change this process. And so that's got me involved in being able to think about how do you transform processes? How do you accomplish different things? Because it was simply because career survival, physical and career survival. Right. And that's so true, right? We are, we create sometimes systems that were created in the past where technology wasn't available. But now that as technology comes available, you can then automate and simplify those processes. And and it's amazing that you were able to see that to be able to bring that change into the company. Yes. And so that gave me an opportunity to start thinking about change. How do you change the way that you go about processes to be able to improve it for yourself and also for all the players, the stakeholders in those processes? Absolutely. It's it's the smartest people that will find the shortest cuts. Because it's not that we don't want to work hard. It's that we want to work more efficiently. And and I think that's what you did there in the company. Now, as you moved along with IBM and growing through the ranks, what inspired you to say, hey, I can do this on my own? It it was, again, another transformation in myself. During this time, I've always grown up with a spiritual background and it continued to develop And so as we moved to the location of where we are, we became members of a local congregation that had the need to and the desire to grow and to change. And so I felt a spiritual calling to be able to help and commit in that area. And so at the same time, I was growing spiritually and accepted a calling into a Christian ministry. 
And so there was a change that I had to make between either continuing to evolve with the IBM business or change with ministry business. And so I decided to leave IBM and become a full-time minister. And that worked really well. Our congregation grew. We, we mm. went from over a few dozen to, to over a thousand in the metropolitan Atlanta and opened a Christian day school. But then there were some other things that came along there that I thought that I was going to be a, a preacher the rest of my life, but sure. not to be. So I ended up working for the government, doing quality management <laughs> for the technology <laughs> agency for the state of Georgia. And that's amazing. That's quite a journey for sure. Let's go deep into how you work with organizations to bring change management, to bring those performances, that driving higher performance. Because again, it's easy to say, hey, you should do this and this, but how do those implementations or how do those recommendations stick to and the companies? I think the first and key thing is to understand that change and an organizational transformation is a leader responsibility and a leader-led activity. That's not something that the leader can delegate. Top down. It absolutely has to be, and you have to stay engaged in it because if the leader is not remaining engaged, then the rest of the people lose lose heart and lose interest also. Yeah. So the, the way to go about that, and one of the things I learned going through the MBA program was a process where there was a Dr. Robert Miles and he created a process called Accelerated Corporate Transformation. And they taught that in the Emory Business School mm. as part of the management program there. And I brought that program to IBM before I left when they were going through the major transformation. And we yeah. were able to transform from a maintenance organization into a fully service organization. And that required us to be able to really think about at the leadership level, what is the general manager at that time responsible and the vision that he wants to, or he or she is intending for the organization to get to? How do you jump? What does it look like from where you are to when you're operating in that next level? And so then what are those few key things that are required to get you there? And that's what you need to be able to align your organization, get your team focused on, being able to make sure the right people are in the team, yeah. and then getting there to be able to start performing very quickly, relatively quickly at that right. level. That's really amazing. The top down is a lot of the places top down is where it makes sense. Even if you're in your home, it's top down parents to children, right? So yeah. the company makes sense top down. Now, what does the training look like for somebody looking to take this transformation program? Dr. Miles put in place, uh, and he's just recently released, a whole module of training on the, the ACT module. But I work with him to be able to customize that and fit it into the government framework. And there's some slight differences there because of the way that government and some not-for-profit organizations have a different focus, which makes it a bit more, I wouldn't call it difficult, but it's, it requires a different framework or different modification of that framework to think than for a regular for-profit enterprise. That makes a lot of sense because with government and nonprofit, you're looking at budgets, whereas in a for-profit organization, you're like, hey, what's the baseline? What's my bottom line? How much does a profit look like? And where are those efficiencies? 
And the a lot of times the actual core of delivery or the, mm. the product or the service that you're delivering is decided already from other stakeholders and not necessarily from the marketplace. You may be called upon to resolve or help to alleviate a particular problem, yeah. such as health and human services being able to reduce poverty or to prevent abuse and neglect of vulnerable individuals. And that's some powerful and praiseworthy work for sure, because you're not just affecting what the company does, but the entire population that's affected by organization. So kudos to you, man. Kudos to you. Now let's go in the direction that, I don't know, let me see how this goes, but how has podcasting been, how has podcasting worked for you in the past few years or how like, how is it helping you get your word out it, for podcasting? Podcasting has really been very uniquely interesting for me. I have an associate that works with me to help with being able to understand how to schedule and work with things with podcasts. And originally when I started working with her, I said, no, I'm really not that interested in that podcast mm-hmm. stuff. And we continued to work together and then we found an opportunity to take advantage of it. And what I found out was is that it is very useful. It's almost like a a multiplier effect Mm -hmm. of being able to let folks know. One of the key portions of major change effort is the awareness that something can be done. And that's what I found podcasting has really done for me. It's brought an awareness of what I do to many more people than I would have in other opportunities and other development opportunities or, or efforts that I engaged in the past. I love that because podcasting, it's, it was, when it was first launched, it's has its own media class. Like you can technically get media passes if you have a podcast or you've been a guest on a podcast because you're technically recording events around you or you have a op-ed or it's, it's almost like an editorial mm-hmm. conversation. And it's really interesting. Like I I started it because I just wanted my hand in podcasting because it looked really cool when <laughs> I first see it. But the deeper I go into this conversations and the deeper I get a conversation with people, it just shows me that there's a whole world of people that are doing so much good out there. And I just want to make sure that I'm, one of those people that are giving a platform to those voices. I appreciate that. And and that's what my objective is. What really gets me going and keeps me going is being able to help individuals reach their potential in doing good, providing value. And that's what I've found in that. And also looking at your podcast series, that the the hacks and hobbies, that seems to really fit with the, the objectives that I hope that I'll be able to accomplish. Oh, man, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So let's come back to change management, right? It's a very heavy word, like enterprise itself is a massive word, right? Inc. 2000 or the Forbes, what's that? The different numbers to have Inc. 500 company or is that right? Did, am I saying it right? Inc. 500 yeah, company? Inc. 500. Okay. Like it's a huge thing for somebody to accomplish. But it's also very, it might not make sense for, let's say, the superpreneurs or solopreneurs listening to it. Like, how can solopreneurs or entrepreneurs try to get into this space? Because, number one, right now I'm teaching entrepreneurship to high school students. 
and to I actually had a uh, chart in front of them and I said, okay, let's list the name of entrepreneurs that you know. And then I said, okay, let's list the name of CEOs of organizations like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, let's name those people. And it was really interesting how people, like the students were only able to come up with the names for people on the entrepreneurial side because they've built a personal brand. Whereas if they had gone deeper or if they were in that space, we know who the CEO of Microsoft is or who the CEO of IBM was or Intel because we are in those industries. But for the normal public, like what are some of the things that they can do to implement what you teach in their starting business? There are a number of change management methodologies. And one of the ones that I really buy into is one that's created by ProSci, but it has a real simple moniker that they use. It's called ADCAR. And ADCAR stands for Awareness, Desire, Knowledge, Ability, and Reinforcement. And if you think about it, at a organizational level or an individual level, those are the main, the main elements and in the sequential order that they need to happen in order for an individual or for an organization to successfully navigate a change from where they are to where they really want to be. Yeah. The first piece, awareness, is you have to understand that there's something different than where you are. And if where you if you don't know of anything different, then there's nothing to change to and no desire to change. But once you know something is different, then you can evaluate whether that is desirable or not. And if you desire it, now you're starting down a path of achieving something different. But desire is not sufficient on its own. Yeah. You have to have knowledge. You have to know what is required to be successful in this new state. And then once you know it, you have to achieve it. You have to get that ability to implement that. And then once you've done it one time, once is just once, you have to continue to do it and maintain it. And so that's that reinforcement to be able to make the change a habit and be able to make that your new way of being. And I love that so much. It's almost like I'm listening to the power of atomic habits. So you're adding a little bit of things, but then you're now making you're giving it more time but also continuing to grow and realize and be aware hey what i'm doing is going to get me to the next level of where i started i think it was myron golden who whose video I recently watched and he said here's how you go here's the different ways people make money there's the first one you're exchanging time mm -hmm. for your money number two you're staying your time to train other people or delegate other people. And then the next one is you're using communication and the next level is using your imagination. And it blew my mind because I hadn't seen it from that perspective prior to this, but it was really inspiring to see what's available and what's possible in this world. Absolutely. One of the other things that I continue to not know what I'm gonna do when I grow up is I decided to go back and get a doctorate. And wow. so one of the things that we talk about a lot is the levels of abstraction. And so it's interesting that the higher the level of abstraction, it seems like the greater the value to yeah. a broader number of people. No, 100%. And that's why they say, wait, how can somebody who's 
talking about an idea, make more money than somebody who's driving for 12 hours. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Because you're using less mind there and more mind here. Yes. Yeah. So is that the intellectual effort has value. My God, that's amazing. All right, man, let's take a quick break. This has been a lot of fun. And I learned a lot in the, response, in the respect of, hey, what it takes to really implement change management in enterprise organizations. And it's a top-down thing. And, and a lot of the time they're like, no, it's got to be bottom-up. But sometimes there has to be a combination of things. But this has been really eye-opening. Thank you so much. Let's take a quick break. Sure. Are you ready to amplify your business? SPI Pro is your gateway to elevate your entrepreneurial journey, offering cutting edge education, immersive training, and interactive collaborations. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned pro, SPI Pro is the community for you, providing you access to professional networking and advice to accelerate your growth. To join, head on over to hacksandhobbies.com forward slash SPI Pro. Join SPI Pro and transform your unique journey into a, a success story. Again, head on over to hacksandhobbies.com forward slash SPI Pro. Hey guys, welcome back. We've been talking with Kerry Albas, CEO at potential. CEO of Potential to Reality Consulting. And he's not only just an executive consultant, but he has expertise in enterprise uh, transformation and operational excellence. What's cool is that I've worked in these enterprises over the past 20 years of my own personal job experience. And yes, it is sometimes very hard to see change happen, but it only happens when the top CEOs or the top uh, manager that you're working with realize that this is something that we need to implement. For example, in the past 15 years, we have two new devices that never existed before, the iPad and the iPhone. And government and organizations had to adapt that shift. Same with IBM was left behind because they didn't adapt. And now they are a services company as opposed to what they initially were, a, a manufacturer. Kerry, talk to us about the three hacks you have stored for our listeners. The first hack has to do with, again, the key to actual successful transformation is that it is a leader responsibility. The leader can't delegate it, and the leader can't find something else more important to do. Right. It's the number one job to do. And you need to then be focused on getting your organization from where they are quickly to where they're going to be performing. That first hack is leadership, engagement, and maintaining responsibility. The second was alignment. From top to bottom, you need to align everybody in the organization on achieving the transformation and becoming a performer in the area that you want to be. And that takes a, a process of being able to weed out what's most important in, in what you do and being able to focus on what's going to get you to future success and de-emphasizing those other things at every level and getting a commitment from the top all the way to the factory floor or to the delivery person. What am I doing 
to be successful in this new organization. And the last hack that I have is continuing to understand that it is a cycle. You can't stay in transition forever. You have to get to a level of performance, but you can't stay at that level of performance forever because the world around you changes. So it is a cycle. Be prepared that you're going to have to go through this again. And I love it. So the first hack, it, the first hack is the leader is responsible for the change. They have to be engaged with the entire company for that change to become permanent. Number two, alignment, top to bottom, achieving the transformation, making sure those core values are in line. Because when you have those core values that everybody can read and, and dictate and, and learn, and even your customers, then you know that you're all in the same space. And the last hack, continue to understand that it is a cycle. You're going to be from performance to transition to performance to transition to continue to grow and see that hockey puck kind of success show up. Absolutely. All right, man, this was a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. I can't wait to implement some of these features. I know that I run a little small company here, right? But the transition has to come from the top down. So I'm, I got to make sure that I'm doing all the things the right way. And then I'm then translating that to the people that I'm working with. Yes. All right. Let's jump into my rapid fire questions. Number one, exploring uncharted territories. Name a hobby you've always wanted to dive into, but haven't yet. And why? I have always wanted to learn how to play the piano and the Hammond organ, but I've never had the time to actually go through the piano lessons. And I'm always afraid that I, I would not be very good at begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, my friend, there is an app. There's a really cool uh, app called Play Piano, and it's on your smartphone. And the way it works, you can either play the piano on the smartphone or you can set it next to a piano and it'll tell you exactly what key to play. And as you press those buttons, it'll listen and say, it'll acknowledge that you pressed the correct key. So I learned really quickly using that app, like within 30 minutes to understand, oh, which ones, which keys are which make which sound. And I could understand the octaves and stuff like that. We've come a long way into creating solutions that help us learn things that are, that were much more, what's that word? I, I like that hack. So I don't have to sit with a, a, a piano teacher. Uh -uh. Say, oh, no. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to hear that though, because again, when you hear that rejection coming from somebody else, it's, it feels not fun. So the <laughs> app, it's app is okay. It's an app telling me what I'm doing wrong. That's right. And you're more, you're more open with it. Our next up, rewinding time. What childhood dream job did you aspire to? And how does it contrast with your current career? I always wanted to be an astronaut. I, I've gotten a little bit too old to go through the training program now, but I, I wanted to be a astronaut. And back when I was with IBM, there were some IBM systems on the space shuttle. And I oh, nice. that I wanted to be the first field technician to go and work uh, on the systems in space, on the space shuttle. Dude. You're not going to believe it, but I have at least seven posters in my room that are talking about teach on Mars, explorers wanted, technicians needed, 
on Mars because eventually that is going to become a reality that we're all traveling in far distance places. Absolutely. That, that I'm looking forward to when I can afford to be able to take the, the tourist trip up into the space. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next up from screen to life. Can you share a movie or TV show that entertains you and offers a lesson that resonates with your life or career journey? I, I know a lot of people buy into it, but I am really into the Star Wars saga. Oh, man. Uh, the uh, Star Wars has a epic battle and struggle between good and evil and persistence and how close evil and good really are. Uh, and so I find that story quite fascinating. And, un, and interestingly, I found it to be a lot closer to real life than one might think. Yeah, they are so right that they, George Lucas really did put that story together in based off of reality. Literally all fun books that we've heard and read have a little bit of reality in them. Exactly, exactly. All right, next up, from screen to life, can you share a movie or TV show that entertains you and offers a lesson? Wait, I already said that. Next up, <laughs> imagine yourself on the silver screen. If you can embody a character from any movie, who would it be? And how does this character's journey mirror or contrast with your own? Believe it or not, there's a couple of people. One one in my favorite scene, and I use it to explain my project management focus and some, nice. some of the work that I've been called on to do is Darth Vader when he is on the return of the Jedi and when mm -hmm. he goes to the Death Star that's falling behind schedule. And the troops land there, ready for inspection and whatever. And he walks right past the troops and goes to the station commander and says, you may dispense with the pleasantries. I'm here to get you back on schedule. <laughs> nice. Nice. That actually fits me. I try Let's, to be a lot nicer than Darth Vader, sure. but I am sometimes focused like that. Dispense with the pleasantries. Let's get on. Yeah. With Let's get on with getting it done. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Next up, navigating through the world of superheroes. Who's your favorite? And is there a particular trait that possesses, that possess? There are a few superheroes that, that I really like. King Dashala from Black Panther. I, I have really identified with that hero and the challenges and the sacrifices that he makes for the good yeah. of his kingdom. And I really identify with that one. I love it, man. And the last question, if your career or personal journey was a board game, which one would, would it be and why? I would say probably chess. Sometimes going straight forward is as is, is, uh, easy as one might think. And it takes some sacrifices of pawns in your life and various things to, to be able to achieve that ultimate goal. I love that, man. Chess is, is a, one of the most classic games board games ever around it's there's so much strategy and it's straight black and white there's no gray area <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty clear about the success and failure is real clear yeah <laughs> at a level yes <laughs> yeah man all right let's last and but not least where can the superpreneurs find you they can find me on my website is www.makingitreality.com you can email me at info at makingitreality.com. Be happy to talk with you about 
what you're trying to achieve with your yeah. organization, or if you're interested in change overall, be happy to have a conversation with you. Terry, thank you so much. And we will, Terry, thank you so much for the conversation. Will, I really enjoyed this talk with you. Appreciate all the wisdom and all the fun tidbits you've shared with us. And the three hacks are absolutely mind blowing. You've got to go and implement them. Till the next time, we will be sure to include all of the links to the show notes below. Till the next episode, we'll catch you soon. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this Hacks and Hobbies episode. Junaid would love to hear from you, so please leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Visit hacksandhobbies.com to find additional information on the guest today as well as the show notes.